We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, ready? Think what you know and it's about a time when you get yourself in a wheel. I want to know something she's on. I think about baby wanting me. I'm holding it. Things are moving real now. I have you seen you wanting you. Hey. It's her ratio. Okay, though. It's her ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> In October, I'm working at the bank still, and they kind of just let my job go. They don't fire me. They just kind of let my position go, so I get this severance pay. So I'm going to try to do stand-up full-time. It's going to be a struggle, but I'm going to try it. And as I start to do it, I'm on the road with Tony Roberts in Richmond, and the pandemic kicks in in March. So now I have no way of making money during stand-up. Uh, I knew I needed a following, so I, I downloaded TikTok, and I started creating these weird videos, and I put my Laugh Mobs Laugh Tracks video out there. And it kind of shot up uh, to maybe out a few thousand. I posted it again maybe a month later and it took me up to like 100,000 followers. Now I'm thinking, I don't have anything else to post. I mean, I posted all my TV and stuff. So I started trying to create videos. And on my Twitter, I, I tweeted one time that uh, it was about this kids eating free. Where I was like, my parents used to make it. I was always under the age to eat free. No matter if I was 19, I was going to be nine that day. So I tweeted this and it was like my biggest tweet. So I was like, let me try to grab some of my big tweets. So I did, but a lot of my tweets had my, me as a kid. So I created this Derek character. And if I knew it was going to blow up, I'd have gave him a better name. I just chose Derek just for this video. And the video went crazy. And it was just basically me as the dad, just kind of telling the waiter, I'm not really that hungry. And my son, eat. he's ordering everything. And he's looking at me and I'm whispering him what to order for me. And when that video went crazy, everybody kept saying like, yo, man, make more Derek videos. So then it just became just me sitting down every morning and just writing ridiculous videos to go shoot. And it just kept blowing up. It's at six million followers today and it still blows my mind. Jason Banks is living the dream. About a year and a half, two years ago, he was 
working in a bank and hoping to become a comedian and doing little bits here and there. And over the last two years, the bank job disappeared. His TikTok following blew up. And now he is a serious working comedian doing gigs every weekend, working on a hour long special blowing up. See dreams do come true. Thanks to TikTok. And when you have a dream and work at it, I love this story. Mr. TikTok, Jason Banks on Torre Show. I want to hear how you got to where you are as a comedian. Like, where did you grow up? Man, I grew up in a small town, Caddis, Ohio. So it is maybe an hour from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's kind of on that border of West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. I actually, uh, we just went to Florida a lot as kids. And we went to this improv show. And after the show, they were like, hey, we're doing classes if you want to you know, join this team. And I was just like, yo, that would be so fun if this was my job where I just, because I, was, I wasn't doing any stand-up or anything. I just thought that would be so fun to just come out and do improv as my career. So when I go back, at this point, I've already moved to Canton. And so when I went back, I was telling my friends, like, yo, I kind of want to do this improv. And they were like, yo, there's a comedy club down the street in Akron called, like, it was Cuyahoga Falls. It's called The Funny Stop. So I called it up. And the guy don't even talk to me long. He just basically says, yeah, you, you, you'll go up on uh, next Tuesday. It's contest. You have five minutes. So I just had to put together this five-minute stand-up bit. But I was really just talking to improv at the time. And I kind of, I ended up winning this competition with a couple other comedians. So I just kept getting these random bookings from other comedians. And I just, I just kept doing stand-up. So I went and I uh, auditioned for Deaf Comedy Jam. It was like the last year. They never did it afterwards. But Bob Sumner was coming around. So he saw me and he kind of gave me this inspiration to keep doing it because he said he saw something there and he gave me this little speech about how the first time he saw like Chris Tucker and all these people, how he felt. So I just continued to do it. I remember I was working at a call center. It was probably two years later when he called me and I was on the call with someone trying to get him to buy something. And my phone rang and it said Bob Sumner. It rang and said Bob Sumner. I just hung up the call and I went out and I talked to him in the hallway and, uh, he let me come out and do one of his shows in LA at uh, the Comedy Story at these Blackout Tuesdays. Uh, later in life, he ended up creating a show called Laugh Mobs Laugh Tracks on True TV, which he put me on, and I got to do four episodes of that. So that was kind of the stand-up career. I moved to Columbus. I uh, performed in front of Dave Stroop at the Columbus Funny Bone, who books a lot of funny bones and improvs. He let me start hosting and featuring. And I think it was that Bob Sumner Laugh Mobs Laugh Tracks video when I moved to TikTok. You know, here, here's what happened. In October, I'm working at the bank still, and they kind of just let my job go. They don't fire me. They just kind of let my position go, so I get the severance pay. So I'm going to try to do stand-up full-time. It's going to be a struggle, but I'm going to try it. And as I start to do it, I'm on the road with Tony Roberts in Richmond, and the pandemic kicks in in March. So now I have no way of making money during stand-up. Uh, I knew I needed a following, so I, I downloaded TikTok and I started creating these weird videos and I put my Laugh Mobs Laugh Tracks video out there and it kind of shot up uh, to maybe out a few thousand. I posted it again maybe a month later and it took me up to like 100,000 followers. So now I'm thinking, I don't have anything else to post. I mean, I posted all my TV stuff, so I started trying to create videos. And on my Twitter, I, I tweeted one time that uh, 
it was about this kids eating free where I was like, my parents used to make it. I was always under the age to eat free. It don't matter if I was 19, I was going to be nine that day. So I tweeted this and it was like my biggest tweet. So I was like, let me try to grab some of my big tweets. So I did, but a lot of my tweets had my, me as a kid. So I created this Derek character. And if I knew it was going to blow up, I'd have gave him a better name. I just chose Derek just for this video. And the video went crazy. And it was just basically me as the dad, just kind of telling the waiter, I'm not really that hungry. And my son's eating, he's ordering everything. And he's looking at me and I'm whispering him what to order for me. And when that video went crazy, everybody kept saying like, yo, man, make more Derek videos. So then it just became just me sitting down every morning and just writing ridiculous videos to go shoot. And it just kept blowing up. And it, it it's at 6 million followers today and it still blows my mind. Who, who is Derek? Like, he he's not just a stand-in. Like, he's a real character. Like, there's a couple of, like, layers to him that I want to talk about, but I want to just, like, like, I feel like you have a backstory. He, you know, like, some people do kids, and it's like, he's just a normal kid, but there's something extra with Derek. So, <laughs> Derek is honestly... And I, I feel like no one really believes me when I say this, but it is honestly just, I was always that guy that I, I write what I think is funny. So people are like, Hey man, when you do your stand up, you should do more. You should do more true stories. And I'm like, no, it's just to me, whatever I think is funny, I write. So Derek, I, I think it seems like there's a backstory, but it's just the more I created it, I just would keep bringing things back up. And there was always extra things like he's in love with firemen. There's, there's no real story to why he's in love with firemen. Besides we were at, we needed a calendar one time and there was like a fireman calendar there. And I was just thinking that would be so hilarious if that was like just his favorite calendar. And so I just added it. And then because I add him talking about the calendar one time, I have a lot of firemen that would hit me up like, Hey man, we're, we're firemen in this city. Can we send you shirts? So I have like a lot of firemen t-shirts. So the more they would send me shirts, the more videos I would make just with maybe something they sent me or something. And then, you know, something else will happen where I just add this new thing in where now he's, he's like, he's very, he doesn't understand the love of his life, which is a girl, right? He's in love with her, but he never understands when she's hitting on him. And I always just thought that was, so when I wrote that one, I thought that was very funny. It, it just became him now. Now he's just this like dumb kid who never understands anything. So it's not... I mean, here's the, I was somebody hit me up to see if we want to do an uh, animated series on it. And they were like, hey, man, it'd be really cool if like, like how much of Derek is based off of you? And I'm just like, none of it. Like, you understand? <laughs> he's getting beat up by girls every day. He wants to make love to farm. And you understand? Like, that's just something I, and he, they sound so upset. They're like, ah, because the network really hopes, you know, they really like when it's like, he was giving me cartoons based on real people's lives. And they were like, if you could sit down and try to add some true stuff and then like contact us. And I never followed up with that because it's just, I honestly write whatever sounds ridiculously funny in my mind. But Derek has this whole other undercurrent of, I don't know what to call it, you know, like pretty princess, you know, <laughs> he likes guys with their shirt off. Like it, it's, it's. I mean, like, you know, if he was gay, that would be cool. But it's like he doesn't know that he's gay, kind of. And he kind of has almost trans leanings, almost. And I'm kind of like, 
you're you're you know like nowadays it's like if kids want to be like that it's like we accept whatever but he seems to like have desires and not really understand like well so are you gay are you trans you wish you were a girl like what so he doesn't really know so it's kind of like this is kind of weird and funny within the like so like what what is that whole aspect you keep returning to okay like uh, again so it's not like I sat down and said to myself, this is going to be this character, man, and this is where it's going to go. Like, I'm pretty sure at the beginning it was, and if you go back far enough, you'll see me calling him Jason at, towards the beginning. So, and when I was calling him Jason, there was never any of that. It was just be, I, I thought, I didn't know it was going to come this online series where now people will question stuff. They'll be like, well, how's, how is this possible if, back then or two, three months ago, Amy's last name was this. I didn't know it was going to stay that way. So when I started doing, like, I don't even know where the first technically thing where he said something about a guy was, it might've just been a shock factor when he heard like a certain couple broke up and all the guys are excited. Like, Oh man, Jay, like they're all excited. And he's excited because of now the guy is single. And then it just, it became all this stuff. So yeah, there's, there's nothing there's nothing really, there's no real story to it, man. It's just whatever makes me laugh, man. Um, but it seems cool because it seems as if people take that as, like, they take it as, like, hey, man, Derek's dad's really supportive of all this. So it's like, I hope I'm not offending anybody, you know what I mean, with the way that I do it. Cause it's just, I, you understand, I, I also, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how far you're into it, but I also do, his, he has a blind friend, and uh, I was hit up about that. I was there was a, he was talking about, he was in the, people hit up the club. They emailed the comedy club to let them know that I made fun of disabled people was oh. the word they put in their e- email. Yeah. So yeah, I, I offend people sometimes. So I'm always trying to, I, I mean, you know, com- comedians are always offending somebody, right? Well, making the most time. of us laugh. But I mean, that aspect of Derek feels sort of honest to me in that, like I got two kids who are, you know, a couple years older than yours. And, like, when I was growing up, like, we were always talking about race, right, with our parents and the other kids. And it's like, this generation, like, they barely want to talk about race. They want to talk about gender issues, trans issues, you know, are, are you gay, straight, bi, and all the different colors within that. So when he expressed these little things, I'm like, yo, this is so real to what the kids are talking about. Yeah, that, hey, that's true. Um, didn't, didn't think of it like that when I was putting it out, but yeah, the, they're, the kids are definitely more into these, uh, gender issues and, and then they are race. But I, like, like I said, man, it's, it's, it's very random for me. I couldn't tell you more than it's just, it's just always funny. The, the random things like, cause I'm just thinking to myself, what would be funny when he goes to school and the girl's like, Hey, you look good today. Well, a funny response to that would be like how my daughter kind of responds. Like I already know my mom said, like if I said it to my son, he would probably just be like, yeah, you like this shirt? Right. That's not funny. But my daughter might be like, yeah, mom said I was a princess. So I'm like, yo, that'd be so funny if that's how he responds. You wouldn't expect that to come out of his mouth. So I'm not like, here's the thing. I've, I've had celebrities hit me up and ask me like, Hey man, is, is Darren gay? And I just, I'm like, I didn't know this was going to become the biggest question of all. Cause in my mind, 
he's too young to even be thinking about this anyway, right? Because I always portray him. I say he's 11. I don't know why. I think it was just because kids were eating free one time. And so he had to argue his age. So he said 11. So I just kept it at that age. But <laughs> in my mind, I don't, I don't know what he is. I think he's just a young kid that just wants to experience some type of love, man. In this universe that you create with Derek and Blind Adam and all them, um, your wife is like the villain character who's like just getting kicked in the butt all the time. And, you know, it, it's his. She kept saying, give it to me. It's his. Give it to it me. <laughs> like, yo, that stuff is funny as hell. I'm like, yo, like, why Why is she the villain? And does your wife feel a way about, like, how come the, the your wife in this is the villain? Like, I'm not, like. No, she didn't until, uh, I would say, recently where it's, like, it's become to the point. Like, I'm, I'm noticing a lot, right? So it shocks me. So then if she's with me, people think she got the same sense of humor I have. So they'll walk up like, oh, is this the prostitute? And then she just look at me and I just got to be, and I'm, I got to, she already knows. I'm like, you know, she's a prostitute on TikTok. Just be like, ah, no, I'm not the prostitute. But not her. She just looked at him like, and look at me. And I got to be like, no, nah, this is my wife, man. You know, my <laughs> wife's not really a prostitute. That's an awkward conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know why that I don't know where that came about. I think it was uh once again, here's the thing. So because the way the fan base came and they kind of uh made this this series where they're like, hey man, we want this animated, and they kept asking for more videos, so I'm putting more out. As soon as I do one thing, that's the storyline. You can't change that. So I'm not thinking of long time story. I'm sitting down every morning and I'm trying to write three or four skits, right? If I write one where, hey, the moms, I think the first mom prostitute was, it was going to be career day. And so he goes to school and he's telling his teacher that he's bringing his mom in and his teacher's asking what she's going to be. And he tells her what she is and she's a prostitute. So there's this argument. And so from there on out, she's just a prostitute. I can't come back next Thursday and say she works at Walgreens. They're going to be like, what happened to the last video? You lied to us. Like they take all this and they, Put it together so she's a prostitute now there's there's no real reason my wife is amazing once again it wouldn't be as i guess i could still make it kind of funny but it wouldn't be as funny if she was just this loving wife just coming in i think it was just funny if there's always some because she first of all i'm not gonna start shooting videos and being her so the fact that she's never there it also gives me a reason why she's never home i mean in a way you're the butt of the joke because you're getting cheated on and you're just like accepting it. And it's not like, well, I'm leaving her. It's like, damn, she cheated on me with like everybody, like <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> like, damn, and he just accepts it. Um, are you, are you, do you make money from the TikToks or is it just promotion for your comedy business? Uh, so now it's both. It was, um, I wasn't, I don't know when I started. I think it was right after 100,000 followers uh my friend hit me up and said you can get on the tiktok creator fund they have a fund you can apply for and they pay you per view so uh i applied to that and then i started getting paid so now tiktok tiktok pays everybody who's on the creator fund monthly five views you have to have certain criteria but i don't think it's the worst i think it might only be ten thousand followers you have to have so many followers so many video views in the last 30 days and uh 
I don't know what the other one was. So yeah, it it does. If if it didn't pay me out of out of stop because the promotion didn't come. I mean, the, the it didn't really pick up stand up wise until maybe four million. After four million, I was able to sign with a United Talent Agency, and and now I'm just I'm booked up for the year. I'm I'm everywhere just these weekends. Besides for besides California, pretty much everywhere else the rest of this year. So wait, is this the first year that you are booked every weekend of the year? Absolutely. Wow. So before this, I was uh I've been doing stand up for 15 years. So before this kicked in. I was basically featuring for a few clubs. I just got in with Helium Comedy Club, at least in St. Louis. And then I also worked for the Funny Bone in Improvs. So maybe once a month, I get a weekend where I get sent out, have to fly myself out. They put me in the hotel, of course, and then just feature for whoever, you know, Tony Roberts, whoever they have up uh, that weekend. Um, It was, I had the material. I was able to headline. I've done off nights for these clubs doing a Thursday or Sunday because the headliners only coming in Friday and Saturday. I just didn't have the following. I didn't, I wasn't able to sell tickets. No one knew who I was. So it was just with these following, they said, let's give this a try, man. And, uh, I got hit up by Dave Stroop. He was like, I got this agent for UTA, man. I want to, want to talk. We set up a meeting and I was probably signed and booked for the year within like two weeks. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR 
wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. The last, what, 18 months has been a huge change in your life from having a regular job and this on the side to having this be your life and it's actually making money for you. It's a complete change to the point, like sometimes I didn't realize the stuff I'd have to turn down. Like I end up uh, creating a cameo. And I, at first I had my cameos for like $20, $25 and I would create the whole video. I can't even, you know, and you know what I'm talking about when I say cameo, right? Yeah. So I can't even do the normal cameo. I can't just come on like a Will Smith would and be like, hey man, happy birthday, so-and-so. Like I have to put these characters together and write these skits of them arguing and saying happy birthday and all this stuff. So I did 20, 25. I upped it to 50 because of that. more were coming in than I expected. And then Edwin McCain, I don't know if you know that is, he sang a song called Al B like in the 90s. Very, and uh, I would not ask for more. He hits me up on Cameo like, hey man, you're blowing up. I'll raise your prices to like at least 75 or 100. So I did that and they kept coming in and I raised it to 150. And I mean, I would wake up in the morning and expect it. I would, would want to shoot three or four TikTok videos, but I would wake up with seven requests for cameos, all for $150. And then I would have to sit down and write these out because these cameos would say, hey, man, it's my wife, Marcy's birthday. Uh, she loves Prince. And one time she went to a Prince concert and she fainted and they had to carry her out. Please say something about that. So now I got to go down and write this little minute skit about this and still say happy birthday and then still do. And while I'm trying to do those, more would come in throughout the day to the point now I just don't do cameos. I had to turn it off completely because people will just pay whatever just just for like a happy birthday or happy anniversary or, hey, man, my grandma loves you. Can you just say hi to her? And it was fun to do, but now I just don't have the time. So just to be able to say, I I have to turn this off is... You have no idea how much this stuff still blows my mind. I'm I'm shocked that I'm talking to you right now because of these weird <laughs> these weird TikTok videos. You, you know what sh- I mean? You, you shouldn't be. You, you're you know it's. I mean, you're living the dream, and it's exciting to just even talk to you while your life is in this this change, right? I mean, like that you're that you're able to take your creative dream and you're living it. Listen, I, I've reached my goal already. My goal, I always said when I worked at Chase was, I wish I could just wake up and instead of doing all this, I, I did like anti-money laundering. So instead of doing this for eight hours a day, I wish it was just me being funny. I kind of, my, I, and it's probably a horrible dream, but I just want to work for like a, a sitcom where I just wake up in the morning, go get my coffee on the way to work, sit down with a group of writers. And I don't know how this works. And just sit there and, and and punch up these sitcoms and throw jokes back and forth and get some good stuff, SNL, whatever I would be working on, and then leave at five o'clock and go home. And I, I'm kind of there. Like I wake, I honestly wake up in the morning. 
I go downstairs. I have a desk down here. I sit down. I write funny stuff for a couple hours. I shoot a skit. And I'm pretty much done for the day, unless I want to. Unless I'm going on the road, of course. But your dream, right there, you're talking about is you as a writer. Where's the dream of being star of having the Jason Banks sitcom or being one of the players on SNL or like where is that in there too? This this was the early dream. This was the this was the when I was working for the bank, and then it became this. Now. Now it's like, I really just want to make money being funny. Um, I, do, I love stand-up, but it is nerve-wracking, right? Being on the road and then seeing those crowds, and you're just like, and even though they're usually always good shows, you still just look out there and go, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one where I forget what I'm talking about. I, I get anxious. So I get, you know, something weird is going to happen. So, and it, it's just like the new opportunities that present themselves is really what I'm looking at. Um, of course, having a sitcom would be great. Being in a movie would be great. Um, I was hit up by Disney, hit me up, and I got to do a general voiceover audition. They just wanted my voice on file to see if it would work out with anything. Um, uh, producer hit me up to try to say they're looking to do an animated series. He was uh, just shopping with some whatever. I don't know what he's doing. I haven't talked to him in a couple of months, but so it's like, Maybe voiceovers would be fun. Maybe acting in a movie would be fun. I don't know what the exact dream is. It's all kind of just, it, it's, I'm heading there. And, I, and I'm just hoping when I get to the right turn, I make it when I'm supposed to. <laughs> so there's not necessarily a North Star, like five years from now, I want to be X, Y, and Z. It seems like you're kind of like, Things are happening. I'm rolling with it. And like, let's see what comes. Yeah. And, and you know what? I feel like my life's always been that. Even even when I'm 22 and I'm doing interviews just to work for the bank, like, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like a team leader on your department. Like, where have you guys, where have you guys pushed me to, guys? Just get me there. So it's like now, no, like I, I, I honestly, like, I guess... I guess a sitcom would probably be the coolest thing to do in my mind. But I I feel like, I always feel like that's a hard thing to do because you look at these sitcoms and you go, I I know some people think I'm funny, but I go, I can't compete with this. Like, how am I I supposed to put out a sitcom where everybody's going to be like, oh, that's one of the funniest sitcoms I've ever seen when you got to worry about beating stuff like The Office and Science. You don't have to worry about beating that stuff, but like those are top-notch sitcoms. I'm not going to put out something that that's that genius. So it's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to follow it until somebody says to me, Hey man, you need to start making some changes and do something. We're, we're tired of you just letting us push you everywhere. What do you want to do? Before that fateful improv, uh, that you were like, Oh, I could do that. Were you the funny kid in class were you the one who could make the teacher laugh like where were you as a funny person when you were a teenager oh uh, going back i was definitely definitely was uh clowning a lot in school uh i wouldn't say i could make a teacher laugh i could definitely make a teacher contact my parents and tell them that i need to start paying attention more but yeah yeah definitely uh Definitely was, especially after school too, before I was doing that, I was always trying to, uh, clown. we used to joke about me being a comedian in college. It wasn't even a good joke. It was just 
the way black people get dressed mixed. Every time I get dressed. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the morning, I was always just dancing. So it was always like this, this like getting dressed. And my roommate would be like, yo, when you're a comedian, man, you got to do this in a little skit way black people get dressed. And now that I'm a comedian, it makes no sense. It's a horrible joke and I would never do it on stage. But yeah, I was, I was always joking through college. Well, I shouldn't say through college, through my year of college and, uh, and, and school, but. I don't, I don't, I don't think I made a teacher laugh. I think I got more, <laughs> I got more uh, in trouble for that. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Torre. Be sure to check out Democracy Ish, where we discuss the current state of the political climate and our country from a black perspective. Name me the last white police officer that murdered somebody that was convicted. Name me the last time that officer was trying to defend himself against a video that showed him strangling someone for eight and a half minutes. You can find Democracy Ish on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Are there comedians? you feel like you've studied who kind of inform or influence you and your style? Uh, I wouldn't say studied, but I would definitely say, uh, I, growing up, man, I was from a small town, so I don't know what was the first standup. I think, I don't even think it was a famous person. I think someone just had like this VHS tape of some local comedians and I watched it from something down the street. And I thought that was great. Uh, I, I couldn't watch he, my brother used to watch Martin Lawrence, You So Crazy. And it's like a weird story that everybody says they did it. We did it too. Like we had it turned down so my parents couldn't hear it. We'd watch Martin Lawrence, You So Crazy. And uh, also D.L. Hewley had one out going home or coming home that we would watch. Um, but it, I think it was later in life that it was uh, Dave Chappelle that really, it was that whole killing me softly with the whole Sesame Street and all that goofy stuff. But all the time I'm watching these guys, I'm never thinking that that's what I wanted to do. Even when I went to college, I didn't have, I didn't have BET when I growing up. I had, we, all we had was MTV. I'm in this small town. So I didn't know what 106 and Park was talking about. I only had Carson Daly. Whatever Carson Daly told me was life. 
I didn't know about all these rappers, man. I was listening to Limp Biscuit and Instinct. That's what Carson told me to listen to. So my wife used to record BET's Comic View and bring it to college so I could watch comedians because she knew how much I just love watching comedians uh, by the time I went to college. But there was never me studying them. It was just me always enjoying it. And I've always enjoyed the more ridiculous stuff. Like I really enjoyed Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart just because how ridiculous the comedy is. Uh, Eddie Murphy's. I should know more about Richard Pryor and George Carlin than I do, but Eddie Murphy, Kevin Hart, and uh, Dave Chappelle were always the funniest to me. I mean, you know, there's if you if you haven't done a deep dive on Richard Pryor, then you know, I mean, like it's just it's all there and it's amazing i mean i can remember being like 10 years old and live on the sunset strip came out and my dad had the cassette and he was dying laughing and i knew i wasn't supposed to be listening to it but he was playing it for me and for him and i mean like richard was extraordinary you know i mean i think about richard and eddie and Chappelle and rock there's this like egotistical thing to them like i know i'm funny i know i'm smart i'm gonna come out here and slay you people and i feel like you know like white comedians they might have an ego they might not right but the superstar black comedian and i feel like you don't have that or don't have that yet like what do you think about that i'm i'm half white (laughs) okay 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 so that's that's the reason why okay so give me that because i don't have that at all it's, uh, it's only my friends. My, uh, my opener, man, his name is Kenny Mark, and he'll sit there and he'll be like, uh, bro, you about, to, you about to smash this, bro. They out there, they going nuts at the host. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I ain't sure, man. I, this ain't my crowd. Look, I always find something. Look how they, see how they laugh at that joke? That's, that's the type of jokes I tell. Like, they laughing at other stuff. So I, I don't have that. Very rarely do I look at a crowd and go, oh, I'm about to kill this. Now, I have great sets, but yeah, I, I, I don't even, I, I can't even eat right yet. I'm, I used to be jealous. I see guys like just eating a burger. They're going on stage in 30 minutes and the cheeseburger just showed up. They smashed it. I'm like, I couldn't eat since four. Like my stomach hurt all day. You know how nervous I am for this? And, and here's the thing though. A lot of people say it doesn't stop. Like I talk to comedians, they're like, yeah, it's no, you always, like once you lose that nerve, they're like, it's kind of like you don't care anymore. That nerve just means you still care and you hope it's a good show. So, uh, but I would like to lose the nerve. I would love to just be comfortable all day and walk out on stage when I can. Well, it seems some people are fearless and some people are nervous. And I guess that heightens your, you know, your, your attention and your, your, your activation and your, your senses to be able to, you know, go out and be the best you can be. Um, So I mean, I've definitely talked to some people who were like, I am not fearless. I am nervous. It's, you know, like you said, tonight's tonight, I'm a bomb. Oh, listen, I, I very rarely, I I pray that I'm fearless. I pray I was watching, I don't know what I was watching, but, uh, Daphne Springs comedian, I think it was the just laugh thing. And I was just, they were just doing a little thing backstage. And before she went out, she prayed. I prayed before I got, she prayed for fearless. She prayed that he made her fearless and confident. So now before I step on stage, that's something I say. When I, when I pray, I also pray that God makes me fearless and confident. And I walk out there and I'm fearful. 
You pray for it, but it hasn't happened yet. So wait on the prayer to be answered. Have you, so wait, so have you ever died up there? Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I died with, with a crowd that I shouldn't have died on. Like I have had very bad sets where I went, I did a, uh, there's a retired bus driver. There's a party. They were having this retirement party. Uh, his daughters were sitting there, looked just like T and Tamara. They were twins. They sitting up front and the dad looked just like Faze on Love. And that's like when I said that within three minutes into my set, that it looked like Faze on Love. And these girls cussed me out. They didn't care. We had the retirement party. Their dad does not look like Faze on Love. After that, the crowd didn't even care anymore. I was supposed to do 20 minutes. I think I was six minutes into the set when I said, yo, that's my time. And then there's more show. I went out and sat in the car. I wouldn't even stay in the venue. I was like, I'm not going to sit in there. All these people looking at me. I, uh, we just came back from Memphis. And here's the thing. We've been doing sold-out shows every weekend. So we sell out Tempe, sold out Miami, sold out Tampa, came here and did Columbus, Cincy. Then went to Memphis, and it was really the first one that kind of brought me down to reality. Like, hey, you're not always going to have crowds of three to five. This was this was a crowd of like one night. I think there might have been forty people in there, and it was a late night show. And it's like they're laughing, but also understand I don't bring your normal stand up crowd. Half the show walks out and says, "This is the first time I've ever been to a stand up stand up comedy show." So I'm bringing crowds that don't know how to laugh out loud or don't want to laugh out loud if, if they're going to be the first one to let out that laugh. So uh, I wouldn't say I died, but Saturday, I was very close to death. <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting that you're, I'm sure the club owners love that you're bringing people who have not been to stand-up shows before because, you know, uh, uh, some fraction of them will say, well, let me try... Somebody else, you know, I came for Jason and I learned about this new, this thing that you can do. Let's, let's try go for somebody else. Yeah, I'm sure they do. And, and it, from what I hear, they're also, uh, they're also making good money. Like we were in Tempe and she was like, uh, look at my server. She like, see how they're out there dancing. She's like, they only do that on nights when they make money like they did tonight. So, uh, as long as they're spending money and, and they're good, I don't have any, I'm not bringing out the heckman type. Although I do have people that love to yell out skits. So uh, if any of them get to watch this, please don't do that. I just, <laughs> I'm mid joke and they don't, sometimes I don't even know what they're talking about. I was doing a joke and this dude yells out, hang up the phone, Bill. And I'm like, who's on the phone? And they're like, no, on your skin when you were like, hang up the phone, Bill. And I didn't think about it. And it was until that night where I remember, oh, I did this skit where Derek was on the phone talking to someone and ended up being this older guy named Bill and his dad takes the phone. So he's yelling at him to hang up the phone. He wants Bill on the other line to hang up before his dad knows who he was. And Bill wasn't just some random guy that Derek called. He didn't know who Derek was. But that's what the guy was yelling to me while I was on stage. And I had no idea what he's talking about. Other people, there's a video, a popular video where he asked to go to Chad's house and the dad explained to him like what he does. Like if somebody asks you, you know, somebody tries to sell you drugs. What do you do? He's like, oh, how much for crack? Like, he gets really excited. Oh, yeah. that? That's the what? How much? Is, let's go find that fucking dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so people yell out, where's Chad a lot? If it's just me walking in the club or as soon as I get to the stage, they'll yell, uh, can I go to Chad's house or something like that? So uh, I, I bring out a cool crowd, but they do, they do love to yell out my videos. 
mid-set. <laughs> For more from me and Jason, join us over at patreon.com slash show. There's more to hear from the man over there. Thanks so much to Jason for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel Samantis, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Dr. Kina Murphy, Earl Dorsey, Theo Tokis, and Noma. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre, on Instagram at Torre Show, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show, and check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.